0: Well, hey, welcome into a very special episode of Down the Hall Podcast. Uh, If you're listening to us for the first time, this isn't normally how things go. We don't always have guests. And welcome. Uh, Also, I think I might have said welcome, but double welcome. Probably not. Roll over welcomes. So anyway, so what we do each week is we uh, we present our listeners with a, a movie night pick because the average person wastes 115 hours every year just looking for a movie to watch. And we're here to help people take back movie
1: night. Yep, but even on special occasions, we sometimes, well, you, usually you, uh, will have reached out Shucks. and gotten the attention of someone in one of those movies, and then we get to do an interview with them. Absolutely. Uh, the way that I get their attention, we will leave unspoken. <laughs> usually, it's uh, it's aggressive. It's aggressive tactics, right? Absolutely. Uh, you insult you them, you threaten their family. You gotta give the people what they want. <laughs> is that what the people want? So in this episode, we have the privilege of talking to
0: Tony Germanario, who is the writer and director of the movie Bad Frank, which recently has been released uh, on Redbox. And also, uh, as we found out in this episode, is it has made its way to Amazon Prime, which is really exciting. It's funny because this is a movie we've talked about before on the podcast because we interviewed months ago Kevin Interdonato, who plays the lead role in Bad Frank. Mm-hmm. So in this episode, we were joined also by a friend of the show, cousin of the show, if you want to call him that, house guest who just doesn't quite leave of the show, uh, Lyndon Wells from across the pond from top10films.co.uk, mm-hmm. who had written a review of Bad Frank and uh, and joined us to talk with Tony. Yeah. Now, Rodney, also something we uh, I guess we we kind of kind of snuck up on us.
1: This is number 50. This is episode 50.
0: 50. The big 50. Why do uh why do we call what is what is the connection? What does the 50 mean like in like in reference to cops? What is that all about?
1: 50. Why 50? It's uh <laughs> I I I, I feel like you. I've looked this up. I've looked this up before. All right. Um well with all the time we're saving people uh
0: looking for movies, they can probably find these answers for us.
1: Or just wait. They could just wait for me to just kind of uh figure it out, so it might take me a couple hours.
0: While Rodney's trying to figure that out, uh, I guess I should say, at one point, you'll you'll hear Lyndon mention this, but Tony was recording from, I believe, from his bar that he had built into his house called The Parrot. So if you hear parrot references, that's what that's all about. Rodney, you ready to jump in to this interview?
1: So ready.
2: This is Tony Germanario, writer-director of the film Bad Frank, and you are listening to Down the Hall Podcast. Huh? Yeah. Now, just picture me high up with my top down on Highland and sunset doing 85 on the top deck.
0: All right, welcome into another episode of Down the Hall podcast. Actually, a, a special episode. I'm pretty pumped about this one. We have Rodney, not one,
1: but two guests. I don't think Linden counts as a guest, you anymore. know? I, I'm, I stopped being polite. You know, so like it's once that stops, is Lyndon's not a guest anymore. You yeah, know what I mean? If you didn't say
0: it, I was going to like at what point does it just become like the guy who walks into your house unannounced and starts taking things out of your refrigerator? Like, I think that's who Lyndon is now.
1: <laughs> yeah. <Right. it's, laughs> which Lyndon you are not welcome to do, by the way. So the real guest we have, um,
0: <clears throat> Lyndon being the fake one I suppose, is uh Tony Germanario, director, writer and director of the movie Bad Frank, which we've talked at length about on the podcast, and we'll get into that. Uh, Tony, how are you doing?
2: I'm doing great, thanks for having me, Guy. I know we've been trying to put this together for a while, so I am super excited to uh, to finally have the opportunity to talk with you guys. Uh,
0: as you know, we are a, a, a podcast that does uh, movie night recommendations, as opposed to necessarily movie reviews. We we uh, help people find movies that are accessible and, and worth their time, worth their movie night. Um, so we always ask our guests if they had one movie to recommend as a movie night recommendation, what would that be? Spaceball. Spaceballs.
1: Spaceballs. <laughs> <laughs> have you seen it? Yes. Old Faithful. Yeah. Old Reliable. You know what? I have not seen a single Star Wars movie, but I have seen Spaceballs.
2: <laughs> I, I saw it When Spaceballs first came out, I saw it three times within the first 24 hours. Wow. I saw it opening, opening night. The next morning, I was driving around with a friend of mine, and we happened to see the matinee. We had nothing to do. We went in. That night we were gonna go out and pick up girls. After ten minutes of just, you know getting dissed, we decided to go to the movies <laughs> again and went right to see Spaceballs for a third time. So I that movie to me is pure genius. Awesome, awesome.
0: Now so you're you know, we know you're working on a new project now that we're gonna get into later in the show, but you've had a pretty aggressive schedule with that, right? With the new
2: film? Yeah. Yeah, actually, we shot it uh, in August. We did the whole thing in 18 days, so it was uh, very aggressive. But uh, you know, that's that's kind of how we roll. The last Bev Frank we shot in 11 and a half, so it almost felt like we had too much time by having 18 days.
0: It's unbelievable. I remember hearing that when I was down there and uh, for the New York City Indie Film Fest, and you had yeah, said yeah. you said afterwards that you had filmed in 11 days, and I think like the entire
1: room all at once gasped. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, but can I ask so uh like when it when it comes to that, like did you pick did you pick an aggressive film schedule cuz that was like the best way of getting everyone available or like what dictates how quickly you make a movie?
2: Well, for that particular one it was money. You know, we didn't have we our budget was only 80 grand for the whole film, right? So we knew we had to move quickly and we didn't have a lot of we didn't have the luxury of having time to do a lot of different things. So you know, the prep work we did in that was really crucial. We did a ton of prep work to make sure we had everything right. And, you know, all the, all the scenes were local. I, we shot the thing pretty much in my hometown with almost half the scenes being at my house or my neighbor's house. So we just knew we had to pull it together quick. We had Sizemore for four days. We had um, Brian O'Halloran for two and Ray Boom Boom Mancini for two. So we had to move quick. And we were just fortunate that, you know, we hit the scenes when we needed to. And, and the, the crew was like a little, I mean, the cast was like a little mini all-star team. Mm-hmm. So everyone gelled together really well. And, you know, we like I said, we got it done in 11 and a half days and we didn't even have, to have any pickup days. So it was, it was un- unbelievable what we were able to accomplish with such little money and, and such a, a, you know, a short period of time
0: absolutely insane. And uh um just to catch up any anyone who's newer to the show and maybe doesn't know, we had uh Kevin Interdonato who's the main uh main char- plays the main character in Bad Frank. Uh he came on our our show uh months ago. I mean, actually close to a year ago at this point. And when we had had him on the show, we knew nothing about Bad Frank at the time. And so when he came on, it was to do like a topic episode with us and you know, he was talking, he was great and um we also wanted to hear what he was working on and that's when we were introduced to to Bad Frank. sure sure this and when we watched it i couldn't believe how you know it there's nothing about it screams this was done in 11 days nothing about it screams like that you know what i mean like it's far better and and even nothing against even the movies that that i saw at that new york city indie film fest along with bad frank nothing against those um or those creators of those movies but bad frank stands above them all in terms of the ones that i watch there and it's really not even close
2: thanks man i appreciate i appreciate that that was uh You know, it's I I think we got we caught lightning in a bottle in in a sense and we had an amazing crew. And actually, I I brought basically the entire crew back for the next film because that's how, you know, how great they were to work with. So, you know, when you only have an 11 and a half days, if you're going to put something out good, you got to have all stars. You you almost develop a little family, especially when you're doing something, you got to move and everyone has to be really cohesive. And we just we just were very fortunate, and you know I thank you very much for saying that. I'm I'm real pleased with the way it came out, and you know thankfully everyone else seems to be pretty happy with it too.
0: Absolutely, and uh, Lyndon, you actually wrote a review for this that ended up on IMDb. Uh, do you want to tell the listeners what the plot of Bad Frank is if if they haven't seen it without getting into any spoilers, so that as we continue talking about the movie and hearing certain questions we might ask, they know what it is we're talking about.
3: Yeah, definitely. So it's tough to uh, explain the plot of a film in front of the director. But I'll give it a go. <laughs> no pressure. <laughs> Why do you think we outsourced yeah. that? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Bad, bad Frank, uh, we've got our eponymous lead, Frank Pierce, played by Kevin Interdonato. And he's it starts with him leading this uh, seemingly idyllic life with his wife, Gina, and that begins to be disturbed by revelations from his past. And then ev- events out of Frank's control lead to the return of former addictions and tendencies that challenges mental state and that escalates even more when something precious is taken from him.
2: It. it just sounds so much better with that accent though. it does that's also why we asked him
1: to do it it's, there's something there's something much more official than me stumbling through it um and so i you know i think in all of that so it's kind of the, that that all-star cast that kind of drives drives the movie you know were you working to get all of those specific people was it you know, like you said, lightning in a bottle. Like, what what ended up? Like, how did you wind up with that all star cast?
2: Well, the way it started um, when I <clears throat> excuse me, wrote the first version of the script, I went to Kevin right away. So, Brandon Heitkamp, who is uh, Travis in the film, uh, he's a producing partner, right? And when I wrote the script, the first draft of the script anyway, we went right to Kevin because we had worked with him before on a couple different projects and we said, "Hey, Bev Frank, I think Frank is right up your alley. You're super intense and we think you could be really great for this role." So, he jumped in right away. And, you know, he helped uh, update the script and we made a couple more drafts after that, but, you know, Kevin brought in Russ Russo who plays Nico in the film. And his uh, his his real-life wife, Amanda Clayton, actually played his wife in the film Gina. Right. So, yeah. the, the core of the actors actually came on board within minutes, right? Mm. So once we did that, we we went to Sizemore right away. So a guy by the name of Peter Dobson, who's one of the producers on the film, he's a friend of Kevin's, and um, he actually became a a producer kind of post-facto because he came on board after he saw the film and fell in love with it, and he just started helping us out with some stuff. But beforehand, he introduced us to Sizemore. Uh,
0: Peter Dobson, um, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think he's actually in – Kevin's newest movie, um, "Dirty yes. Dead Con Man."
2: Yeah, I'm actually uh, an associate producer on that as well. But yeah, he, Peter Dobson is uh, is a part of that film, "Dirty Dead Con Man," which should be out pretty soon. I think from what I understand is coming out through Distriber and should be out within the next couple months. Um, I did not.
0: I didn't know you worked on it as well. Actually, Kevin did send that out to us uh, and to Lyndon too. I just watched yeah. that probably two days ago.
2: Oh, nice. I hope, hope you liked it. <laughs> yes, I did. I did. There's a lot of good things about it. Cool. Cool. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I just had a minor part in that, no, not nearly kind of what I did with the uh, you know, bad Frank or anything else, but uh, I just helped out a little bit for that one. Um, but for it's, it's interesting for Ray Mancini, we actually had another uh, another actor that was supposed to play Kevin's dad and he committed to us. And then he backed out at the last minute. And Ray, uh, Kevin actually knew Ray Mancini from years ago. Some a really interesting story. that's probably better for him to tell, though, mm. when he uh, when he first came to L.A., he called up Ray and said, Hey, you know, Ray, I know you're looking to do some different stuff. This is something that's different than just being, a, you know, a boxer like you've played before. Why don't you jump in for this? And he came in and we literally paid him 300 bucks a day. That was it. And could not have been a nicer guy. He mm-hmm. showed up. He actually looks more like Kevin's dad than Kevin's real dad. <laughs> um, I actually
0: thought when... that he was Kevin's dad. I genuinely he, did. It's, yeah.
2: it's, it's kind of it's scary how close he resembles him. But uh, when he came on set, Ray's possibly the nicest guy on the planet like like I said he got paid next to nothing and he was tipping our guys for driving him around and picking him up from places and we're like Ray take your money back Ray. <laughs> yeah, right <laughs> you're not making any money you're out you're, cutting, your money. you're cutting you know your salary in half right now of <laughs> uh, and Brian O'Halloran so there another uh, producer we had on the film Joe Cernio, who's he's, uh, he's actually the bartender in the film and he helped out with a lot of our social media and website stuff he he, he knew Brian from, I guess there's a whole Jersey shore uh, contingent of actors, you know, Kevin and Joe and Brian, they're all part of it. They've all worked on a lot of different things together and they called up Brian and, you know, they brought him in and he came in for two days. And, you know, to me, that was, that was probably the most surreal. Cause I grew up on clerks, right? Clerks was hmm. one of the films that I first saw when it came out. And I was like, man, how did he do this? <laughs> right. And I'm, I've read all the stories since. And I say, you know, he, I know exactly how he did it, but uh, you know, to me that was a that was a game changer type film. So getting the opportunity to work with Brian to me was that was probably the most surreal part of the filming. Yeah, so yeah. cool.
0: Yeah, Tony, you, you're talking about this this cast, and it's true. I mean, it, it's clearly led by Kevin's performance, but I think what what made it an entertaining movie for me was how Tom Sizemore was just insane as the like, as the villain in that movie. And you know what's funny too is like. I remember even that night when I was in New York City with you guys. Um, um, I was talking with somebody, and I'll I'll, I'll keep him nameless because I think you I think you know who this person is. He was sitting out at the dinner table with us later, and he was talking about how like he liked the movie, but he was uh, he thought that Sizemore as a villain wasn't that believable because his arms were too small. And I was thinking like. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, "What?
1: Like, Wait, was what? It? Was I, that a serious point?" No, no, he was
0: completely serious. And I remember, I, I was thinking, like, the greatest movie villains, like, in history. So, like, Heath Ledger's Joker, like, didn't, like, wasn't a buff guy. Like, Hans Gruber, like, Darth Vader didn't have arms. Like, they had been cut off. Like, I, what? <laughs>
2: I Well, I, that's, like, I that's remember so thinking disappointing to hear because we put CGI on his arms to make them bigger. So.
1: <laughs> now
0: that's,
2: no, that's, no, that's, no, no, that's a sign. I did not if, hear if, that. That's, that's, that's hilarious. Oh,
0: my gosh. It was funny. I mean, just to bring everybody kind of uh, into that scene, we're, we're at this place. And I do have a question for you about this, too. You know, at this, this film festival, it's kind of a smaller setting. Uh, but what's cool about it is that everyone's there is like really excited and energized about the movies they're about to watch. And yeah. I had a question, though, for you, Tony, as as you're sitting there and you're watching, you're sitting in a room of mostly strangers, uh, watching them watch a movie that you've worked really, really hard on. What's that experience like? Like sitting, you know, I, I'm I'm sure at that point you're not as interested watching the film for the 500th time, but watching the people watch the film. And is, was that like a kind of an odd experience for you? Did you I mean, was that difficult for you to do or was that exciting? I mean, what was that like?
2: Yeah, that's a great question because it, uh, it it's definitely a little nerve-wracking, right? Because you never know how someone's going to react to a film. And for me, I've seen the film so many times now. It's like, you know, we, we spent so little money on it and there, there's so many things I wish we could do different. So those are the things that not me watching it. So I try not to watch the mm. film as much. Yeah. So you're right, I kind of look for reactions and every audience reacts a little bit different, right? So there are some scenes that you know, when some of the crazy stuff happens, people cringe, but other audiences, they'll, you know, they'll laugh or, you know, they'll, they'll cheer. And I'm like, wow, this is insane. Who are these people?
3: Yeah. <laughs> you know?
2: So it, it, it's fun. And I, I really like, you know, cause every, everyone's going to take something different out of the film. And to me, that's the coolest part. the The most gratifying thing that I got is when people tell me afterwards, like two days after your film, I was still talking about that ending to me. That's the coolest thing ever. Mm. right because a lot of times people watch a film and oh it was okay and they never think about it again if someone's thinking about this movie even an hour later but a day or two days later and they still have a reaction from it then you know our job is done we do what we needed to do
3: as a extension of that question how do you deal with reviews of the film do you read them yourself or do you ignore them
2: no, i, I mean I, I you can't not read them I don't think i mean yeah. especially when you're uh you know when you're an independent filmmaker and you're just getting started I, I read all the reviews but at the end of the day everyone's gonna have a different if you know viewpoint of the film you know and if, if they don't like it you know they're gonna tell you and you know what that's okay right I'd rather someone had a, a truly negative reaction or a truly positive reaction than just a ah, it was all right mm-hmm. you know that to me that's the worst if somebody doesn't think about it yeah so you know
3: yeah so so, just just as a follow-up to that so i've read quite a few of the reviews around it as well what i really liked about the film was it played with some movie tropes and cliches and took you to some unexpected destinations so it seems to like almost start as a standard revenge plot but then some of the reviews described it as like a low budget taken which i thought was just lazy reviewing and a bit unfair on the film it's like does that wind you up at all
2: yeah, I saw that review, and uh, you know what? Again, it's it's to me that seemed like it was an easy way out. Like someone didn't really think too much about it. But you know, it's nothing you can do about it. You know, once they put it out there, it's out there. And you know, I don't think this as is, is even close to taken in any way personally. But no, I agree. you know, I don't I don't know I don't know what his background is, and you know, it is what it is. It's you know. Like I said, you're going to get great reviews. You're going to get bad ones, and if I were to get hung up on either of them, you know, my, either I'd be de- completely devastated or I'd have the hugest head in the world. So it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it's you just keep you keep you keep moving on and doing something else, and you know, you just hope hope enough people like it that it gets, you know, gets out there and people get to see it.
1: Yeah. If it were me, it would be the latter. I would just, I would just latch on to the good things and, and never listen to any of the bad things. But, um, I guess one, (laughs) one, one quick question. That's just, just like a general rule for my life. You know, if you have something really critical to say, I won't listen to it at all. Um, he just immediately (laughs) falls asleep as a self defense. Yeah, exactly. Um,
2: but could I, oh, getting the floor. (laughs) Yeah. This is,
1: uh, one question that I have is when it comes to independent movies versus like, you know, a, you know, a a movie from, you know, some, you know, large production or whatever. Um, What would you say, um, you know, having had experiences, you know, with an independent movie is the biggest difference like a viewer should take into that?
2: Well, I mean, at the end of the day, it's all about a good story. I don't care if you have a a, hundred thousand dollar budget or a hundred million dollar budget. If you don't tell a good story, it's not going to be a good movie, right? I I would think that any, you know, any reasonable person would understand that, you know, you're not going to get. Immense digital effects or immense, immense special effects in a hundred thousand dollar movie that you might see in a Marvel film per se, right? So just set your expectations right when you go into the film. If, if they don't tell a good story, that's one thing. But you know, you're going to see great independent films for fifty, a hundred thousand dollars. Now you're going to see crappy films for fifty to a hundred million dollars, right? That's just the nature of the business because once people's egos and you know political things start getting involved with the film and they really do, that's when, you know, problems happen, right? So if someone Mm -hmm. can figure out how to get a good story on screen, it really doesn't matter what your budget is.
0: Yeah. Cool. Uh, Tony, the thing about Bad Frank and also, um, also even Dirty Dead Con Men, which, you know, obviously I said I had just watched that they both are, uh, darker movies. Like they're both, especially <laughs> Bad Frank, I feel goes places where at first, like even as Lyndon described the plot, you're kind of, you know, getting to know Frank and you're kind of seeing the situation develop. And then before long, it's, I mean, I think Kevin described it as a slow burn. And, yeah. uh, yeah. boy, it, it goes places. And, um, I gotta be honest, when I met you, uh, you were way more like even tempered, mild mannered than anyone I could have expected
1: putting together this story. He thought you were going to be size more, is what I don't, he's saying. Yeah,
0: I, I, I don't know if I was expecting you to just to, like carry a hammer around or something, but like I don't even know what I'm actually asking other than just to say, like, you're different than what I expected based
2: on bad friends. Constantly wiping blood from his hands. Yeah, you know, I don't know. <laughs> well, it's, it's funny. It's, uh, you're, your perception is is pretty spot on, right? Because I, I'm pretty much described by my friends as you know very even keel, very easy to get along with. And when I first showed Bad Frank to uh, you know uh, we had did a an early on screening for my my friends and family, people that helped us out with the film. And you know they know me as oh the guy owns the bar. He's great to have a beer with. He's funny. He's this. He's that. And then they saw the film and they, they, they kind of walked out and everyone was like, dude, that was great. But what is wrong with you? You know, that. was <laughs> you know, like, OK, I don't know where the ideas come from. I mean, maybe it's better to get them and put them into film than it is to have them not you know, on the inside. <laughs> or, Decisively, or, you know, yes. It. Yeah. So like even the new one that I just did it, is, is also going to be very dark. So, you know, anyone who likes Bad Frank is going to like the next one. But, you know, it's it's funny I, I, I don't usually remember any dreams that I have, right? Everyone, my, my wife, like every morning she'll get up and say, I had this dream last night and I remembered this and I'm just a blank slate. Like I almost never remember anything, but for bad Frank, a couple years ago, I just had this idea. I woke up and I had this idea of a kidnap, like the original draft of the skill, the film focused more on, uh, Frank and crystal in a basement. You know, just the two of them so there was a lot of that in the film but the original draft was almost all about that so we expanded it once kevin and uh and russ got involved but uh that was my the, the original thing was like oh my god this guy kidnaps the girl they're in the basement you know and then it's like i purged it on myself and then boom i'm back to my normal self again <laughs> so, so i have a quick question then you said a lot of the movie
1: was filmed in your like in your house or at a friend's house and then there's that yep. basement scene and i don't think the bar you said was in your basement but i have to know is the is that scene that pretty dark scene the dark scene that that you had a dream about and this was your cathartic release of it was that in your house cuz i feel like nah. if so the spirit nah. of that scene is still with you <laughs>
2: No, that was not. That was in a friend's house.
1: Okay, got it. Okay, cool. So, so you put and, it on and his house. Sadly,
2: he sold the house shortly afterwards. I'm like, you, sh- you should wait until the movie comes out. You'll get more money if you yeah. say this is the basement where bad friends."
1: <laughs> or less, <Yeah>. or less.
2: <laughs> True. There, there was a, there was a very disturbing film in the, uh, uh scene filmed
3: in the basement of this house.
2: <laughs> so. Up the price, huh? <laughs> exactly, exactly.
3: <laughs> Talking of um, expectations as well, how did you come up with the idea for the trailer? Because I really like the trailer because it gave nothing away about the film. And like, like Chet said, when I came to watch it, I had no expectations. I didn't know what to expect from it at all. Uh, so I really like trailers that don't really give anything away.
2: Yeah, that what, Kevin came up with the original concept for that, and we all just bought in and just you know, we wanted to do something where you have no idea what's going on with the film, right? Because yeah. we're the same way. Like, I hate where I've seen a two-and-a-half-minute Marvel trailer and now I've already seen all the cool stuff in the movie, right? And I exactly, love a Marvel yeah. film as much as the next guy. But you're right. I hate that sort of giveaway. And so we we purposely wanted to do something that was the exact opposite. And I, I, I'm thrilled with the trailer. I think it really came out great. Yeah.
3: Right. And it really hints at the um, the psychological nature of the film as well. Yes, exactly. Exactly right. I'm just saying, as I said in my review, like the the film itself was really tense. You got an escalation of dread, and I know you said you were like getting on really well on the set, uh, on like family and everything. But was that difficult to switch off because the the film itself is so tense?
2: Um,
3: not too much.
2: I mean, Kevin was was kind of method on set, where like uh, for the entire shoot, he slept on the floor in the, in a garage because he didn't want to be comfortable. But, you know, Kevin's a pro. He, he knows what he's doing. And, you know, the, the great thing about directing actors like this is it, it makes my job really easy. Yeah. You know, they, they came to set prepared. Right. We didn't have we knew we didn't have a lot of time to do a lot of different takes and everything. So, you know, the first or first or second takes of that we did of any scene, I kind of let them just do what they do. Right. If there's anything I think I need to push them in a certain direction or give them a little guidance, I'll do that. But. At the end of the day, they're they're living and breathing that part. I want them to do that, and they all did a fantastic job, right? I mean, you saw Size More. Size More, yes. half of his lines were ad libbed, right? Oh, really? You just kind of wind him up and go, right? I mean, he did <laughs> he did one one scene in there that I asked him about afterwards. Um, he he does a thing in the he describes something in the set where he's basically threatening a guy, saying, you know, I'll cut off your arms, your legs, your you know, your dick. I'll put you in the corner and I'll piss on you. You know to keep your brain alive. <laughs> and said, that's, that's crazy. How did you come up with that? And he actually was researching a film, and someone told him that, he, that they did that to somebody. So I was like, <laughs> "Yeah, it was
3: like oh, what? Saw? horrible." Like, <laughs> yeah. That's...
2: So it was like, "All right, time to move on to the next topic. How about some bunnies? Let's bring up some bunnies. Can we talk about bunnies now?" bit? Yeah. <laughs> but it was, uh, and it was insane.
0: Now, were you expecting, when you had reached out to Sizemore, were you expecting uh, him to, to join the cast? I feel like that, obviously, of everyone in the film, he had the most notoriety attached to him, obviously. Like, what was that process like in terms of the expectation? Did you, you feel pretty confident, or did you feel like it was kind of like a shot in the dark?
2: I thought it was a shot in the dark, to be honest. I mean, it was here we are working on an $80,000 movie. I'm a first time director. And Tom Sizemore, you know, Saving Private Ryan, uh, Heat, you know, Natural Born Killers, uh, Black Hawk Down. I mean, the guy's Academy Award nominated. And there is this guy from New Jersey who works out of his basement and, you know, he's going to direct his first film. Yeah, we'll get Tom Sizemore, sure. Um, (laughs) (laughs) When he said yes, all of a sudden it was like, oh my God, what am I getting? How do I do this? Right. So we originally had it set up that. Uh, we were going to shoot for two or three days so I can kind of get my legs underneath me, make sure I know what I'm doing, and then we'll have Sizemore come in on day four. But then Kevin actually took another movie, so we have wind up pushing the dates three days. So day one, scene one, I'm staring Tom Sizemore in the face.
0: <laughs> oh, my so, god.
2: You want to talk about intimidating? You know, it was kind of like shit. I was selling software last week, and now this. I'm uh, I'm talking to Tom Sizemore about how he's gonna, you know, curse out this guy over the phone. So it was, uh, it it was crazy, absolutely crazy. That's great,
1: though. Did you did you uh, like? Did you just pretend that you'd done it a million
2: times? Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm not a young kid, right? So I'm, I'm a little bit more seasoned, let's put it that way, as far as uh, the business world. So I've been in a lot of business situations. Right. And, you know, where I've been in front of people that, you know, are, are working multimillion dollar deals. And half the time, I don't know what I'm doing. But if you can act like you know what you're doing that's half the battle yeah so you know I, I was very calm at least i think i was calm who knows how i really was but uh i think i came across as calm and pretty collected and i just let people you know do what they needed to do and i ran the ship uh you know, the way i thought it needed to be done and you know it, it, as no matter what i felt on the outside you, you just you know what is that commercial never let them see you sweat never let them right? see you sweat
0: that's awesome. That's completely great. I'm going to say something now that I don't think, you know, you would, you would be the first, you know, that you wouldn't necessarily say is that this movie did get nominated for 21 different awards, be it at different film fests that, that the movie was entered in. And I know, Tony, you guys, you specifically went to a ton of these all over the place, right? Some of the different festivals. I mean, I feel like yeah. there were a number of different times where I was talking to you and you were saying, yeah, I'm about to go out to another one. Um, <laughs> And you were nominated for 21 different things, and according to IMDb, you guys took home 20, 20 wins, uh, whether it be members of the cast or um, the story itself. So I think that's that's fantastic. And uh, this is a movie that just recently hit Redbox. I mean, it's accessible now, and I, I definitely encourage people to go out there and check it out, especially if you're listening to this now.
2: Yeah, we're about to hit Amazon Prime actually within the next week, so that was another huge win for us. Yeah, Redbox was huge, but uh, Amazon Prime is another big one that we're excited for it to get out there because we think that, you know, once it's on Prime, it it makes it a ton more accessible. So we're we're thrilled with that. And yeah, the festivals were great. I got to go to Milan and to London and the Caymans, and you know, we we were really lucky. And you know, I think. People really gravitated towards the film and actually with the cast, every single main cast member won at least one Best Something Award, whether it's Best Actor or Actress or Supporting Sizemore won a bunch, Kevin won a ton, you know, everybody won at least one award. So to me, that's 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 the most gratifying that people actually, you know, recognized everyone in the film. So that was that yeah. to me was fantastic.
1: No, I, it, it definitely is. And I think it's exciting to hear that it's becoming more accessible. Could I ask a question about like getting onto Amazon Prime? What is uh, That's one of the big sources that um, we usually look for in terms of, you know, movies to recommend because we, we feel yep. like a lot of people have Amazon Prime. A lot of people have Netflix. Can you talk to that process just really, you know, briefly or getting on Amazon Prime? Is that something you're asking them to consider carrying your movie? Um, like how, how exactly does that work?
2: Well, we, we were fortunate enough that very early on, we uh, we signed on with a sales agent for Lotus Entertainment. Um, so a guy by the name of Daniel Brandt, really nice guy out of L.A. who works with Lotus. He signed us on even before the movie was made. So he liked the script that much. Um, and then once the film was done, we found distribution with Gravitas Ventures. So Gravitas has done a great job in getting us on all the platforms. So the nice thing about that is we basically gave them the film. They really liked it, and they got us everywhere. And then we still have Netflix to come, and that doesn't even talk about the international stuff. So the great thing about this is you know, Gravitas, by doing what they do, is going to help make this a profitable film. Right, awesome. Which, as any nice. filmmaker knows, that's like one chance in a, in a, in a thousand, and I think we're we're going to be fortunate enough to do that. Did you anticipate making a profit on,
1: on this movie? <laughs>
2: <laughs> no, no. Too. I'll take I'll take that laugh to mean one thing. <laughs> no, no. I mean, was, was I hope I, I I thought we had a chance at making our money back. That's okay. how I'll, uh, that's
3: just how I'll leave that. I thought we could make our money
2: back.
0: OK, that makes sense.
3: Of all the places you went to on the festival circuit and everything, where was your favorite? Probably London
2: you know what it actually was i was we were just talking about that we've got to get back to london because uh george george store one of my producers and i we were out there for uh the london international festival of film i can't remember what the exact film festival name was but we were talking about that we stayed in the excel district and we just were up in london london for you know three or four days and we just had a blast there um and the, the film did well i think uh won one or two awards there which was great so but that that and the cayman islands were probably my two favorites yeah Yeah.
3: just the Three different places
2: yeah cayman was great i mean that was that was a lot of fun but i love london i've been to london several times and to be able to go there on on a film instead of like regular work stuff with to me that was great i mean you just you just it was was so cool
3: (laughs) cool so you know when you said you showed the your film to friends and family, it yeah. wasn't quite what they expected. Who was the like the one person you were really nervous about showing it to that you really wanted them to like? Uh, probably my mom. You know, I mean the material yeah. is it's a little dark
2: and uh, you know, yeah, graphic. So showing it to my mom. She watched it at my house and I like left the house for two hours while she watched it <laughs> because I didn't want to be around. Yeah. Uh, but she's, my mom's the best. She's so supportive. And she said, you know, that was great. I can't wait for you, you know, to, for the next one. And what about this? What did you think about that? And Fortunately, she didn't touch on any of the more disturbing stuff. Because anyone to... <laughs> <laughs> was one didn't of the recommendations to, to uh, make to clean it up next. How about a G-rated movie next time?
3: <laughs> <laughs>
2: well, I ha- half the time when I do these festivals, I tell them how I, I started out making a family-friendly film and it just made a turn for the worse. So it was uh... <laughs> <laughs> it just it, its That's it, a big old it, turn. exactly
0: oh man so uh anyway so so great we you know bad frank definitely one that that we we hope people will go out and go out to find and see especially now that it's gonna be on amazon prime uh we were beyond impressed with it especially since our introduction to it was more passive we had already been speaking with kevin uh just sort of about his career um uh, when then he talked to us about bad frank and so the whole journey and seeing you got kind of monitoring the success of the film, as you guys went to all these different festivals, has been a lot of fun for us. I can say.
2: Oh, thanks! Um, you guys have been really supportive, so I, I, I can't thank you guys enough. And I'm, like I said, I'm really glad to finally have the opportunity to talk to you guys. This is this this is great. Definitely, definitely. So I
0: mean, switching gears a little bit, why don't you tell us a little bit about the, uh, the new project that you were working on? And you mentioned it's also a dark film. Uh, so <laughs> continuing to uh, come from the mind of what otherwise seems to be a pretty uh,
2: even-tempered <laughs> man, uh, what's, this, what's this one about? Yeah, it's, it's called The Price for Silence. And basically, it's about a girl who was raped when she was 15 and her father took money in order to stay quiet. The movie takes place uh, several years later after her father passes away. She comes home for the funeral to confront everybody. Ooh. So, it, uh, yeah, it's it's dark. So I uh, feel-good. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's the quiet uh, ones so you have to worry Lynn about. Mancinelli, who, uh, Lynn Mancinelli, who played Crystal in Bad Frank, is actually the lead in this. Okay. Okay. And uh, we had Richard Thomas. As the kind of our, our, our lead bad guy in this one, um, people might know Richard Thomas. Originally, he was uh, he was from the TV show The Waltons, but most recently he was on that TV show The Americans, which is a phenomenal oh, okay. show. So he was uh, he's Agent Gad. Gotcha, uh, Very cool. and he's done he's done everything. I mean, he's a, he's a tremendous Broadway actor, and he's been in the business for sixty years since he was about five or six years old. So wow, it was another crazy shoot so many stories that'll come out and that uh, we actually got thrown out of one place and had to figure out how to get eight hours of filming into four hours what? because it us out we had so we had this location we were at a I, I had a, we were filming a scene in a psychiatrist's office so I had a friend who had a psychiatrist and she said we could use her office and we got the location agreement signed and everything and she was on the second floor of this building so when we showed up, you know, we parked way in the back so it wouldn't bother anybody. We started loading our equipment in and we were already there for, you know, two hours when all of a sudden somebody started sniffing around and he started giving us a hassle. And then I had to get on the phone with the building owners. So apparently when I when we signed a location agreement with this woman, I asked, you know, are you sure this is cool? There's no one else we need to talk to. She said she already talked to them she didn't talk to the owners of the building so even after we were there setting up and like all our equipment was in we were already taking down their paintings putting up our stuff they threw us out so we were now two and a half hours behind we had to find another location make sure it works and film the entire day within the time that we had allotted you know now we're out four hours basically so when when we did this, I knew that our team was just a bunch of friggin' rock stars because yeah. Yeah. what we pulled off and we made our day too. So we pulled right. off a miracle that day and it was it was so crazy to be able to do that. That's when that's like indie filmmaking at its best, right? Because yeah. you're just all right, you you run over here, you get your car, and get there, we're going to this place. And we don't know if it's gonna work, but we're gonna take their living room and we're gonna paint it, and we're gonna do this. We're like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know, There's no way crazy.
1: you can do all that. <laughs>
2: You know what? We pulled it off, so it was it was insane. So that was one of the ones when you're doing shots at the end of that night for sure.
3: Yeah, <laughs> no idea. This is the film we had Matt from Checked Out in Jersey come for a date.
2: Yes, that's true. Yeah, I had oh, that's Matt. Right, uh, Matt was there as an extra, so he yeah. came by and. You know, it was a real stretch for him. He was uh, a, a guy sitting at a bar drinking. So, <laughs> yeah. it was, uh, he's, he studied for a long time in method order to make acting. sure to yeah. cut that down. Yes, exactly. He's been method uh, acting for a long time. Are you going to cut
3: him from the film? Because we'd love to tell him that.
2: Yeah. We made we made sure we made sure that uh, he made sure that he couldn't. He kept like getting his face; it would slowly <laughs> appear behind the main actor. So, I'm sure uh, he'll be in it though. He'll be the
1: <laughs> one, the one extra who's making a point of like being in the camera. Like you know? Matt, Matt, you're just in the ones. Matt, get out! Like, dude, like, stop too much.
0: I love Matt. Well, it's really funny when
2: we're shooting the scene. It's like Matt, you realize it's supposed to be fake beer that you're drinking. That's not real beer. We've done 47 steps <laughs> <eggs>. Yeah. <laughs>
0: So uh, before we switch uh, gears, Lyndon, did you have any uh, final questions regarding either Bad Frank or uh, Tony's newest movie or anything of that matter?
3: Uh, but just for the newest movie, what's the, the timeline for release and everything? Uh, my hope
2: is by the summer of next year. Um, oh. We're already in edit right now. I'm actually going to be seeing the assembly uh, next week, so which I, I cannot wait to see. I've already got our composer. We've actually got this guy by the name of Paul Carbonara who's a guitarist for Blondie. So he's doing the composition. Oh, cool. for the film. So yeah, it's going to be a really cool soundtrack to it, uh, and composition. So we've already got everything lined up. So I think my, my hope is that we're going to have a, a viewable product by the end of the year, maybe January. Yeah. Uh, my Tribeca is my, is my white whale. I want to get into Tribeca. That, uh, you know, being from New Jersey and Italian, you kind of have to love Scorsese <laughs> Nero. So, yeah. if I can be somewhere in that vicinity, I will be. I, I think I might pass out. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Very cool. So, uh, so Tony, so what we do to end uh, episodes with with guests is uh, sort of kind of rapid fire questions, and they're meant sure. to be uh, meant to be um, answered with as close to one word answers as possible, and we're not allowed to chime in. Got
1: it. Which is impossible. Which is impossible. We um, always. <laughs> we always. It might
0: sound like we don't chime in, but it's because we have to edit ourselves out because we inevitably always chime in.
2: But um, right. So you can buy me a beer every time you chime in. Okay. Yeah.
0: Rod, Rodney agrees to that. We need um, a lot of money. <laughs> um, okay. So are you ready for these uh, these rapid fire questions, Tony? Bring it on. Okay. So we're gonna try to get them as as one word answer as possible, and again, we'll try our best not to uh, not to respond to anything. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, all right. Ready? First one. What is one of the things that you would put on your bucket list?
1: Mountain climbing. What celebrity annoys you the most? Beyonce. Is, uh, is Kevin
0: Interdonato a tough guy in real life?
2: Yes. Uh,
1: who wins in a fight? You or Kevin? Kevin. (laughs) With unlimited resources and access, what uh, actor or actress would you absolutely want to work with? Chris Pratt. Chris oh, Pratt?
0: really? Okay. Yes.
1: Absolutely. Right, so now I do want to know more.
0: Recently divorced Chris Pratt. You might have a little bit more time <laughs> on the sands.
1: <laughs> Why would you bring that into <laughs> it? I think it's relevant.
2: <laughs> I don't know that it is. He just seems to me like the coolest guy on the planet. And yeah. I, I can't see not having it... Uh, an amazing experience uh, in a film with him. Yeah. did uh, So
1: I have to say the, uh, a friend of mine, his dad lives out in Seattle, um, and lives like, was like neighbors with, uh, Chris Pratt and Anna Faris. Um, no way. Yeah. And so not even kidding. My friend was like visiting his dad in Seattle so and, dumb. and saw Chris Pratt two different nights in a row at like, just like a restaurant. <sighs> And, like, right. took pictures of him both times. Rodney's the told
0: divorce. this story before, and it was just as
3: boring the first yeah, time. Yeah, he did. <laughs> yeah, it was just as drawn out the first time.
1: <laughs> what I'm saying is, when I saw those pictures, I had the inside scoop. I didn't know what of yet, just something sad for him.
2: Oh, okay. And yeah, was really disappointing. I actually, I'm, I'm, I'm a movie geek, right? So Anna Faris is doing a book signing next month that I'm going to go to. I just bought the oh. tickets for it. It's like uh, she's in some place in Jersey City, New Jersey. She has a book signing. And so I, I like her podcast. Her podcast is really funny. And, and yeah. she's she's extremely talented. So I'm going to go there just to, just to go meet her. I'm sure I'll go, hi. And that's it. You know, yeah, right. <laughs> that'll be it.
1: But it's a, I guess it's worth a shot. I mean, even when we've done some of these interviews, I'm always ready to just have it start in me. Just say hi and not have anything else. So. <laughs>
3: Can I add a, another quick fire question? Yeah. Because uh, I was talking about it with Chet and Rodney uh, earlier this week. Your a uh, favorite and least favorite films at the cinema this year. So mine would be Baby Driver favorite, The Mummy, a.k.a. Tom Cruise the movie, my least favorite.
2: Oh, man. yeah, uh, I love Guardians of the Galaxy. That's getting yeah. Um I really did not like King Arthur. I did. I did. I didn't was mummy. I was disappointed yeah. in King Arthur because it, it, uh, I really like, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, Guy Ritchie. Guy Richie,
3: um, yeah. I, yeah. It, it wasn't it, very good, King Arthur.
2: Yeah. I was, I was disappointed in that because I had high expectations. And it's not even that it was that bad a film, but I think when, when you're expecting something to be so good and it's so not, it's like, oh, man, it's, that's even yeah, worse yeah. to me. I'd rather, I'd rather, you know, go see something and not like it. And be something that I'm so amped up for and just always short.
3: Yeah. I think Guardians of the Galaxy and Baby Driver both had a great soundtrack as well. So I've been listening to them for yes. months so after the film.
2: So you really like Baby Driver? That's one I was not able to go see and I'm dying. And you know,
3: oh, it's, my, it's probably my favorite film of the year. Yeah, really? I, can't so wait far. For that.
0: I can't wait for that to come out like to where it's more accessible to do an episode on. Yeah. That one was fantastic.
3: And he's, yeah, he's yeah. one hes one of my favorite directors as well. Edgar I Wright. mean, the cast was amazing, right? Yeah, it's yeah. Kevin Stacey, John Hamm, Jamie Fox. Yeah. Jamie Fox, John Burnthall. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I'm dying to see that. They are so good, so, and uh, the what he does with music in the film is brilliant. Okay.
0: All right. Well, Tony, thank you so much for uh, for taking some time away from your uh, in home pub and uh, to come <laughs> join us. And uh, where can our listeners find you on social media?
2: Uh, so I'm on both Twitter and Instagram as Tony Germ. T O N Y G E R M. So you can find me there and bad Frank is on Twitter and Instagram as well as bad Frank movie. So you can check him out there as well.
0: Very cool. And we'll be looking out. I want to tell the listeners to look out for uh, bad Frank hitting Amazon prime soon. And of course we all want to uh, be looking forward to, was it the price of silence? Yes. Um, the price for silence. Price for silence. Very cool. Yes. Very cool. Very cool. Lyndon, where can, where can yes. we find you?
3: Uh, so you find my reviews and top 10 lists at top10films.co.uk, and I'm on Twitter at LWorldsFilm. Very cool. You can find us... And uh, occasionally in- as a fake guest on Down the Hall podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. fake <laughs> guest. Yeah.
0: More like the cousin who then like asks to sleep over, present, like just, oh, okay, I guess he's now... Um, never <laughs> leaves. <laughs> um, <laughs> cool well you can find us on twitter at down the hall guys you can go to our website down the hall where you can scroll down and recommend a movie for us to watch we promise to watch we do not promise to do an episode on the movie but uh if it's good enough i guess we'll say yeah sure it's worth a, a recommendation too um again tony thank you so much for joining us linden is there anything else you want to leave us with uh
2: no thanks
3: thanks for chatting to us tony that was brilliant
2: no, thanks. Thanks so much for having me, guys. This is a blast. I had a great
3: time, so I really appreciate it.
2: Absolutely, and yeah, thank
3: you.